Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Indiana Sports with Ken Sterling, our special guest today, the great Stephen Holder from The Athletic. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing well. How are you, Ken? I couldn't be better. It's good to see you again. We don't get to see each other as much as we did back in the day when we were in person covering the Colts. But we've got camp starting next week, and I'm not sure what of that we're going to be able to see. But whatever we can see, what is the thing that you're looking forward to seeing most? Well, I think the first thing is to understand going in that this is going to be a process. Uh, They are not going to come out of the gate ready to go, right? I think that players have – well, they will have had different levels of preparation coming into camp. So so I think let's temper expectations, not because the team isn't good or the players aren't good, and none of those things. It's just – it's going to take time, I think. So I don't think we'll get a true read on what this team really is initially, and I think that will be true – for all teams in the NFL because they're going to ramp up very slowly. But uh, once they do, I think what I'll be looking for is just, you know, how quickly certainly the the offense can gel because you have some key new parts and that's always going to be, you know, a challenge. I think when you start with the quarterback, I don't care how experienced he is, there's going to be an acclimation period, right? For Phillip Rivers, there's going to be an acclimation period for him. There'll be one for the receivers. There'll be one less so for the coaches because they have, sort of a, a history there, but I, I do think that's going to be a process, you know, and, and T.Y. Hilton and he and Jack Doyle and Philip Rivers and all these guys who he will rely upon, you know, he has to learn them, but they got to learn him. And these guys have played a lot of football, so I think they can accelerate that process, but that's going to take some time. So I think that's what the preseason, I don't know, preseason, because there isn't one, but I think that's what training camp is going to be for and all of this practice leading up to the season. So, uh, that will be my primary focus. And then I want to see, you know, can we glean anything from, from the first look at the Forrest Buckner when he puts the pads on? You know, what does that look like? Uh, do we see him ever match up with Quentin Nelson? And what does that look like, right? Uh, that's, those are kinds of the things that I'm looking for. Uh, what do the, the new additions look like? How, much, how quickly do they add, uh, acclimate? And how much of a difference does it look like they make? 
you know, one of those new additions is going to be Michael Pittman Jr. And he's really going to have to be kind of a bell cow right out of the chute for the Indianapolis Colts. How important is it through this preseason without any preseason games, uh, these, he and Phillip Rivers have got to find a way to get on the same page very, very quickly because lots riding on the performance of Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, I really do think that uh, the the rookies in particular are, are really up against it this year. I think for a couple of reasons. Obviously, they did not have the offseason, uh, didn't have their you know normal uh, rookie camp, OTAs. Uh, those are very, very critical for rookies because they really get immersed into the speed of the game and uh, they kind of get those jitters out of the way. Now those jitters, and, and maybe jitters is the wrong word, but just whatever uh, apprehension they may be or just this the acclimation for them really uh, to adjust to the speed of the game, those things are going to have to happen now. And, and so they're behind the eight ball that way. And, and then they won't have the preseason. And I think that is the other thing. Look, uh, I'm not suggesting that Michael Pittman would have played, you know, 60 snaps in these preseason games or Jonathan Taylor or any of these rookies. Right. But, but certainly they would have played some. And I think that is the next progression. When I talk about getting up to speed, and acclimating to the speed of the game. The next progression is, is preseason games. They won't have that. So I think we have to have, you know, I talked about tempered expectations earlier coming out of the game training camp. Well, for the rookies, I think even going into the regular season, we should have tempered expectations just because they have a lot of catching up to do. I do think experienced players like Michael Pittman, who's played a lot of football at USC at a very high level, they will figure it out. And at some point it will just be playing ball to them. But, you know, give it some time. I think we should be patient. We haven't gotten a chance to meet the rookies as we have in past years and kind of try to get to know who they are a little bit. Uh, but these guys, as I've watched them on video, they seem to be kind of cut out of that Colts mold where they're very, very mature and, and they understand who they are and what this challenge is. That seems to be a focus for Chris Ballard. We really haven't seen it pay off yet. Is, is there a reason to believe that you win disproportionately with guys like that than guys who get off the team bus and you're scared out of your mind of? Well, for starters, it is very intentional, as you said. There's no question. I mean, look, they're looking for talent. Uh, let's, let's be clear now. They're not going to compromise on talent, and I, don't, I, I would not say they have done that. But, but certainly they're looking for a little something extra. You're going to see a lot of team captains. You're going to see a lot of, quote-unquote, character guys. Uh, they don't take a ton of risk in, in terms of character flags. Uh, that ranks very high for them. I, it does for every team, but, but certain teams value it more than others. I think the Colts skew more uh, to the latter. It, for them, it, or the former, I should say, it, for them it matters a lot. And, and ranking high on their character scale, that will really bump you up their draft board, no question about it, provided you have the talent and the measurements and, and so forth. Anyway, I, I would say that – it, you asked, has it paid off? I, I think I've seen it in a couple of instances. For example, uh, guys like Anthony Walker, who was in Chris Brown's first draft class. Now, I don't think he really had his process in place at that time, but clearly Anthony Walker was a guy who, who had physical traits, right? He's a good player, very good player. But there's no question that when you meet Anthony Walker, what comes across is, okay, this guy is going to be able to take control of a room, take control of a huddle. Uh, he's going to command respect. And I really thought that in Frank Wright's second year after the coaching changes and the, the scheme change, when Anthony Walker became a starter, I thought you saw pretty 
immediately him step into a leadership role as a second year player, which I think we forget sometimes. Like that guy was a yeah. second year player. We, he walks around the building like he's 35 years old. <laughs> he's like he's like 26, <laughs> you know, uh, 26 maybe 27. I can't remember, but I mean this guy's you know really not a very senior player, right? I mean there are more experienced guys on that defense, but he really embraces that. So that's just one small example, but I. It doesn't always work that way, and, and there have been other instances where they have got drafted guys who maybe had character and just didn't pan out, right? I mean, uh, sometimes that happens, but but I do think if you hit both, then you really have something. If you hit it, if you hit it on the character and you hit it on the, or character can be something for leadership or any of those sort of keywords. If you hit on that and you hit on the talent, then you really have something there. I really believe that. Uh, Quentin Nelson is a guy we don't talk about in this regard enough, I think, because. Quentin obviously is an all-world player and terrifies people. But one thing we don't talk about with Quentin Nelson is how much uh, winning matters to him and football matters to him. Uh, he maybe isn't uh, the guy to, to step up and 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 take on uh, the spokesperson role for the team and, and all of that. You know, with the media and those kinds of things. That that's a different role than maybe some guys take in a leadership respect. But what Quentin does do is. Uh, he he is out there in the middle of everything. You see, he's the first guy to go pick somebody up in the end zone. He's the first guy uh, to to jump off the sideline and go congratulate the defense. I mean, he this it matters to him, and I think that's in infectious, right, to your teammates and and especially when it's your best player. Let's talk about Jacoby Brissett for a second because the Colts keep talking about how important he's going to be. Philip Rivers hasn't missed a start since he became a starter. How does Jacoby Brissett on the field present himself? What, what is he going to do that's going to make him, him an important part of this team? I am sort of taking a jury is out approach to that because Frank Reich has talked about Jacoby Brissett having a role and, and maybe playing a few snaps per game. I think it would be different if he were more of a, uh, more of a, a read option type quarterback, at least, or someone who at least had that in his repertoire. He does not. I mean, he, he does, but he's not a threat to run. Like every quarterback can run it in some respect, right? But but the defense knows they treat you differently if you're a threat to run or not, right? So um, you don't have to account for that with Jacoby Brissett. Can he run? Yeah, yeah and he he's tough to take down, but he's not going to run past you, right? Uh, we're never going to. We're never going to accuse him of being um, an incredible athlete, right? So that's fine. That's not what he's out there for. So my point is, how do you find a role for him given that challenge, right? He's not, in that regard, he's not very different from Philip Rivers. Like, they're different quarterbacks, but in that respect, in terms of how they play from the pocket, like, they're the same guy, (laughs) you know? So I don't know that answer. I think that Jacoby is is a very highly respected member of the team. I think that that will continue. That won't change. Uh, but will he be able to to still have uh, – well, well, I guess let me put it this way. Will he still be out front as a, a leader, as a voice, and all of those matters when, when you're not the starting quarterback? It's harder to do that. So, so it's, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know how it'll work. I, I know that he, he hasn't held what's happened against Phillip Rivers from all indications. Um, I think, you know, he didn't love the Colts' decision, right. right? Nor would you expect him to. Uh, but will he be a pro about it? Yeah, I think he will. As he knows that he's got an NFL future. His, his, this is not the end of his career. 
He knows that he's still a young player. Whether he's a starter somewhere or not, he's going to be in the NFL for some time to come. So, you know, he's going to he's going to be a pro about this, knowing that he's got a future. But I do think it'll be interesting. I, I don't know that I have a lot of expectations for his involvement this year. I just don't. I, I don't. As you said, Philip Rivers has been Iron Man. There's no question about it. There's not a lot of room for Jacoby Brissett to help out. In my Let me ask you a question uh, about, um, you know, players wanting to be here. It seems like with the Colts, this is a destination for for players. Philip Rivers coming in, Buckner coming in. They they have no dearth of free agents who want to play here. With the Pacers, it's kind of a different vibe. And people say, ah, nobody wants to play in Indianapolis because they want to play on the coast and they want to be near the water. It seems like lifestyle – has something to do with the NBA and free agents wanting to come to a certain city. But with the NFL, that doesn't happen. Is that accurate and why? I really think it is accurate. I, I, I think in the NBA, destination matters more to the players. It clearly matters more. The question is why, right? And uh-huh. I, I think really what it boils down to is the NBA is a player-driven league and I don't have a problem with that, but that is just a reality. I actually love the personality that you get from watching the NBA. Some people don't like that, and that's fine. Um, that appeals to me. I, I like the, the personality aspect of the NBA. The problem is, and that, cut, that cuts both ways, the problem with that is guys want to maximize that, that ability to market themselves. And, yeah, is it easier to do that in New York than Indianapolis? You bet it is, right? Uh, the players also can make a lot more money off the field to be off the court in the NBA, and and so their star power has a lot to do with that. Most NFL guys don't make a ton of marketing money. Okay, look, I know when you watch an NFL game, you see nothing but Peyton Manning commercials, but, like, <laughs> let's be clear now. I mean, what percentage of guys have significant marketing money? It's not very high. People don't realize that, I think, a lot of times. I, I know, uh, for example, uh, there are sort of mid-level players on the Colts who – I've talked to a lot of their agents and the marketing dollars are hard to come by for some of those guys. It just really is. It would it be easier in New York. Probably at the same time in a bigger market, you have more competition, you have more teams, you got more personalities, you got lots more to contend with. So it's not a guarantee that an NFL player makes a ton more money off the field in New York than he does in, or in Chicago than he does in Indianapolis because on if you just boil it down to this level, right, the, the Colts, uh, and they're, they're a big fish in a small pond. And you go to Chicago, now you're a small fish in a big pond, right? And which is better? I don't know. It, it's, I've taken the same approach in my media career, right? Like Indianapolis for me is a smaller market than I've worked in. And I've had chances to maybe consider other things. I've stayed here. And part of the reason is because I, I hate talking about myself in this fashion, but like my role is more meaningful in a smaller market because – it is a smaller market, right? Yeah. So you kind of get lost in a bigger market sometimes. It's just, it's not the reason, but it's a reason, you know? So I think it's a, it's among the considerations and look, and what my, my stakes are nothing compared to these guys, right? In my little career. So, so I think uh, it is very interesting. And I think one thing I would say though, is, is that the other factor that we haven't talked about is money matters less uh, between markets in the NFL. So the Indianapolis Colts can go out there and they can give uh, DeForest Buckner $20 million a year and it's no sweat, right? They're a small market team. doesn't matter. 
Thank you very much, Stephen. Great stuff, as always. I, I got a feeling it's going to be a long time before we see each other on West 56th probably. Street. Yeah, probably so. But hey, hang in there, and uh, I'll do the same. Thanks for having me. You too. That's uh, Inside Indiana Sports. Tomorrow morning, breakfast with Kent Bright and early 8 o'clock on Facebook Live. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.